great to be together. I hope you had a great Christmas. It's good to see uh, friends back here visiting from uh, out of town. I saw the Meckhamson family out there and uh, welcome you guys back. Uh, these guys were such a big part of the church here for so many years, so we're happy to see you and your married daughter now, so that was pretty cool. She has her own Christmas cards now, so she's official. it's official, it's official. And uh, we're excited in my family to have my parents here with us today, too. So uh, it's good to have you guys here. Um, And just looking forward to the new year. It is, as as Sandra mentioned, a time to kind of look back and look forward to see what is God going to do in the new year? How is he going to work in ways? I don't know if you could have predicted everything in your last year exactly as it was going to happen as you were starting. Anybody? You knew exactly how it was going to go. That can be a little bit uh, challenging at times, but it's exciting to think about what God could do this next year. He could radically change your family with one miracle and your entire family would be different. Your marriage could be totally transformed with one miracle. Your faith, your your health, that we're all one miracle away from God changing everything in our lives. And I, I love that about God. He's, nothing is impossible uh, with him. And today the service is called Dream Giver, based on this book that I recently was reading by Bruce Wilkinson. And I want, I'm not going to go through the whole book, but just know that that's kind of what inspired this, in case you're wondering uh, if, if I have some great ideas. They probably came from him. Um, <laughs> As we get started here, uh, I do want to, uh, there was one dream that came true recently here. Augie and Sarah started dating uh, last night, so uh, congratulations. We're excited for you guys and uh, two of my favorite people, so we are uh, very encouraged by you guys uh, and just to see God working in your life. And as we get started, I want to ask you a question. What did you want to be when you grew up? You wanted to be the president? Okay, Blanca wanted to be president. What did you want to be, Jake? Batman. Batman. Okay, that's cool. How about anybody else brave enough to say what they wanted to be? Okay, Don. I want to be a lawyer. A lawyer. Okay, I can, I can see that. Okay, Vivian. A nurse. Okay, awesome. Okay, we're going way back. It looks like Yankees. Mario. Mario. An astronaut. Okay, he's even got an astronaut on here. Okay, how about you, Vicky? A teacher. A teacher. Oh, wow, she wanted to be a teacher, and now she's a teacher. There we go. You nailed it. Okay, you don't need this sermon then. You're already living the dream. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a combination of Superman and Ronnie Lott. And so uh, the original Superman, Christopher Reeves, was way better. Uh, But I just, you know, you think about, I love the idea of just being able to change the world, be able to be shoot with bullets and not have it hurt, be able to take care of all the bad guys. And uh, football was my passion, too, and he was famous for being a big defensive uh, player there. So... uh, you know, it's amazing the kind of dreams that God, that we have growing up. We want to do great things. Yep. 
You know, and, and you may have heard that before, but God has made us. It says in his word that he created my, yours and my inmost being. The psalmist says that I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That God made you wonderfully in a perfect way in your mother's womb. He put you together that you were created by God. And even in the New Testament, it says we are God's handiwork. His workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you and me to do. That God gave you a dream before you were even born to do great things for him. I just woke up to it later on in my life. I woke up to the plan that God already had. That at the moment I said, oh my gosh, God has a plan for me. He said, you finally understand. This is what you were made for. This is what you were created to be. When you're living out your dream for God and my dream for God, that it is what I do best and I am happiest when I am living that dream. When you're living the way God wanted you to live, you're filled with his spirit because you're living his dream for you and his dreams are perfect. You know, we may have to make big sacrifices to live his dream, but it is so worth it. And imagine a world where you did not live out your dream that God created you to live. That actually the world is missing out when we miss where God wants us to be. And it makes me sad when I look around at the world and I think of how many people are missing the biggest thing in their lives. They're missing the way that God created them to live. They're not aware that he made them for a certain purpose. They're not aware that he created them and that they are wonderfully made. And so today, as you think about your year and look to your new year, I pray that you live out not just your dream for your life. Don't just come up to another year and because, you know what, this year, what am I going to do this year? Uh, help, maybe I'll lose a little weight. You know, maybe I'll take my wife on a few more dates and I'll try to be a better person. I mean, isn't that what we do every year? We try to change a couple things or maybe you're really an overachiever and you make a list of 25 things. And by June, I'm sure that none of us really remember what they were anyway. I remember last year I was talking with a friend of mine here named Abraham and just asking, you know, what do you think I need to go after for the new year? And we were kind of giving each other one word because I can't remember a whole sentence. Just give me one word. And the word he chose for me was compassion. And I kind of paused just like that. What? Compassion? That's not a good word. Let's try this again. Let's do that another time. And it's amazing when you have that in your mind, how how God can change you. And even this past year, I hope that I've grown in that. But God has put me in situations when I've thought of that. You know what? This is what I need because I need to be more compassionate. You know, my word for him was fun. I was like, man, why didn't you give me that one? That's a good one. I want that. Because Abe can be a little serious, right, family? Abe's family? 
They, they don't want to even say, good way to go. You passed the test. They didn't throw their dad under the bus. But that was my word for him. Be more fun, more spontaneous. So I would encourage you, if you have a best friend, ask them, what do you think I should go after in the new year? They'll probably give you a good word that you may not be thinking of that may change your year uh, going forward. And since it's from them, you'll probably remember it. Okay, my point number one, to achieve your dream for God, you have to do this. Leave the familiar. (laughs) Right? This kid has been, the caption underneath the picture was, he has been well trained. You know, he's got his TV there. He's got his lazy boy. You know, this is us in a, in a, in a, a theoretical sense, right? We love to do our thing. You know, in the book I was reading, it talked about, you know, they sat in recliners in front of boxes. You know, and if we're spending our lives just doing that, not that it's wrong to have a favorite show or anything, people getting worried. Uh, But if we spend our lives just going through the motions and just doing the same old, same old, we are not living the way God created us to live. He didn't create us to sit and catch up on all of our shows. I mean, even though that's fun and relaxing at times, in the end, it's not fulfilling. You're not going to get to the end of your life and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I made it through 633 episodes of Friends (laughs) before I died. I mean, that's not going to be on your bucket list. Not even sure how many there are. But I know that some of you know how many there are. You know? Okay, there's a lot. Okay. But in order to achieve your dream for God, you got to leave your comfort zone. To step out of the familiarity. Sometimes we can live our lives in the area and wherever it's comfortable, that's where we stay. And if it starts getting uncomfortable, they go, oh, that wasn't comfortable. Let me back up. Whether it's having a tough talk with someone, whether it's giving our heart, whether it's giving our soul to somebody, whether it's helping them out, you know, we can be filled with fear and doubt. And when someone else tries to push us out of our comfort zone, we can react and we say, we can tell them basically, get away from me. Don't do that. You know, this past year, as I shared a little bit, for two weeks of our December, we took in a needy family that we hardly knew. My wife met this family at the, at the park. They came to church for a few weeks. We built a friendship. We said, okay, we're going to let them come live with us. And then it all began. Comfort zone alert. Because then you have all these crazy questions, right? Do I give them a key? Do I not give them a key? Do I leave him home alone with my son? Or do I not leave him home alone with my son? What do I do? But the amazing thing was, is it reminded me of an earlier time in my life when we used to open up our homes all the time. When we used to have people come in that were in need and they would just stay on our couch. And we would study the Bible and we'd take them to eat and we would just have a great time and we didn't think anything of it. Because we didn't have all these responsibilities and we didn't have families and it was just... Now, as I was thinking about it, we became such great friends with this, this couple, this family. They're like family to us now. They, they call us like family and it, there's amazing, so many miracles that happened 
And I remember a day sitting on my couch just thinking like, wow, I have become so comfortable. I have become so cautious. I have become so protective. I have become so stuck that this was a big deal. And it helped me to see, man, if I'm going to live God's dream, I got to give my heart again. I got to do crazy things because of my faith in God. That shouldn't be a big story. Because they open up their homes in the New Testament all the time. They gave their heart. They gave their money. They gave their lives. They poured themselves out. They defined what love was for people. And yet, why was that such a challenge for me? And it made me realize this year I am going to step out of my comfort zone. I pray that this year that you decide I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. I'm not going to be afraid anymore. Stop living in fear. Stop being held back because you're being safe, because you're being cautious. Live your life by faith with God's protection. And he'll take care of you. And you'll live a life of passion. And you'll inspire people. This life on the couch, that's not very inspiring. If I was young, that would not inspire me. But it inspired me to see people living their radical faith for God. Why leave the familiar? Let's look over in Mark chapter 1. We're going to look a little bit at Peter today. It says in verse 14, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, his brother Andrew, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you, I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, in a boat with his brother John, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and, he, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. And many of us are familiar with this passage and just Jesus' purpose to help change people's souls rather than just fish for fish for their lives. He had a vision for their lives. But it began with taking the step of faith outside of the boat. Two of the brothers even left their father in the boat with the hired men. They left their business on the spot to follow Jesus. And I was thinking, why would anybody do that? You have a perfect life. You have money. You have a business. You have everything you ever wanted. Because it wasn't everything they ever wanted. Because they were tired of the same old, same old. That there was a discontentment deep in their hearts that they said, is this it? Is this what I wanted to be when I grew up? Just someone that went through the same routine day after day after day. There had to be some contempt for their regular lives and a desire for more. A desire to live out a dream that someone else had for them. And ultimately, they valued God's dream more than their own. If you ever want to be a dreamer for God, you've got to leave the familiar behind. 
You got to leave your normal way of life, whatever you grew up with, to be able to follow God's dream for your life. And you have to be sick and tired of the same old, same old. The, the, the nine to five is not cutting it for you. At the end of the year, sometimes we have those little thoughts of like, really, what did I do this year? Was my life, did I, did I do anything? Did I make a difference? Is my life really what I wanted it to be? Can it be better? Can it be greater? Can I do something great in my life? All those seeds are leading someone to take a leap of faith to say, you know what, I'm not doing that again. I'm not doing another year of going out in these boats and fishing and getting up early and doing all this stuff. I don't care what Dad says. Because I'm sure he wasn't too excited. Sometimes the people that are closest to you, if you want to do something different, are the ones that fight against it the most. Why? Because your comfort zone is bumping up against their comfort zone. If you say that your old life isn't worth it, that you want to do something new, then that means that their old life is probably not either. And it can start to step on toes, and that's where we can get afraid of what people think about us versus what Jesus thinks. These guys saw their opportunity, and they took it. They realized who was talking to them, And this may be their only shot. How could Jesus want me to follow him? How could he, knowing all of my sin, how could he believe in me to change the world? And they took it without delay. If you're struggling with your life, you got to break out. And so many of you have already done that at one time in your life. You got sick of it. You ran in the rat race. You did the same old thing and you said, you know what, enough. I don't care what anybody says. I am going with Jesus. And amen, that is so awesome. Guess what? It's time to do that again. It's time to get that same spirit of, hey, I want to change the world again. It doesn't matter that I did that 30 years ago. Let me do that now. Let me take a leap of faith. Let me get out of my comfort zone. Let me leave familiar behind. Point number two. To have a dream for God, you have to endure the wasteland. Endure the suffering, the desert. We can relate to the desert. The wandering in the desert. That life is longer, harder, and more challenging than I could have ever imagined that's how I truly feel when I was younger there was no way I thought it was going to be this hard that it was going to be this difficult that there was going to be so much suffering and so much death and so much cancer and so much this and so much that I said man I'm going to become a Christian and my life is going to be roses it's going to be easy you know I'm going to have no obstacles Man, didn't turn out quite that way, did it? And we, the, the wastelands and the struggling seems to last a lot longer than we want it to. 
We wish it was over. We wish we were to the next level. We wish we were on top. We wish we were more fruitful. We wish we, we wish we wish we wish we wish. And yet it's through that very suffering that we get deeper with God. We get a deeper connection because we have to fight for our faith. And we have to struggle. And in one of the book I was reading, it said that the bigger the giants are in your life that are getting in your way, the bigger the dream that God has for you. And you can follow that through the scriptures and see that people that overcame the biggest obstacles won the greatest reward. You think of David and you think of Joshua and you think of Caleb and Moses. That they renewed their spirit again and again and again. I mean, it's amazing and inspiring to see people endure hardship, isn't it? Yeah. It's not fun. You know, but in, in, in a different kind of way, I look at Bill Vollmer. Uh, is Bill Bill's here? Is he here? Uh, you know, he's an older, middle-aged guy, I guess you would say. And he's running these super Spartan races and 13, 15, 18 miles. And I, every time I talk to him about it, I just kind of look to myself and go, why? Why would you do that? You're punishing yourself. You know, it's not going to get, you know, you're not getting any, you're, you're probably going to break stuff. You probably already are, your knees and all these things. And, and he just says, yeah, just because I can. He just willingly puts himself through that training because he can and I'm inspired. Why not? You know, when you read about the churches in Revelation, they had to go through a lot of suffering too. They had been around for about 30 years, and, that, and yet the, they still had to commit themselves and recommit themselves to Christ to persevere through way more hardship than we could ever imagine. You know, in John chapter 6, we're going to look at Peter and one of the most difficult times in his life. Uh, I'll start reading in verse 60. It says, On hearing it, many of the disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Jesus was talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Can you imagine you're with Jesus? There's thousands of people with Jesus and he just does this hard sermon and you have no idea what he's talking about, eating his flesh and living on his word. And you're just, your mind is boggled. And people just are leaving in the hundreds. Just, man, this guy's crazy. This is insane. And then Jesus asked you, do you want to leave too? He asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. 
There is never an excuse for leaving Jesus. Jesus didn't say, well, I know it's really hard for you, and I know you're struggling, so how can I make it easier for you? He said, no, does this offend you? Is this too hard? Do you want to leave too? I'm going to the cross. And you are called to the same as me. That there's never a good reason. It doesn't matter who hurts your feelings. It doesn't matter how long you have to suffer. It doesn't matter how many people in your family get sick or what happens around you or where your best friends go or where your minister goes or where your spouse goes or whatever. This is a difficult teaching because I feel sorry for myself. I know my story so well and it's been so difficult. Hasn't it? Jesus knows your story. He's with you. He's strengthening you even through the difficult times. If you'll, find, if you'll look for him, you can find him in the most difficult times. Don't get, I, I love this quote where woman, this woman shared it over the break. She said, don't give up on Jesus because he hasn't given up on you. She said, you may not believe in him, but he believes in you. I thought, wow, that's a good one to remember. Jesus is getting you to greater glory than you can ever imagine. Through disappointment, through, through people leaving, through heartache, he is refining you to be more in his image, to achieve the things that you want to achieve for him. Without suffering, we don't grow. Even Jesus needed what he suffered to become who he was. I pray that I never feel sorry for myself to the point where it justifies me turning my back on Christ. There's so many people that go through so much more. You know, uh, I, I want to show this video now that my son requested by popular demand. That talks about uh, somebody persevering. Some of you have seen it before, uh, but it's a, it's a video about Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson. And uh, it's pretty inspiring about never giving up. He's doing it for me, I think. Saw it going before. There we go. You can write everything down if you want to. Be brave enough to write every one of your goals down. But I'm going to tell you something. Life's going to hit you in your mouth and you got to do me a huge favor. Your why has to be greater than that knockdown. And I love it. Buster Douglas got knocked out. Nobody ever got knocked out by Mike Tyson and ever got back up. It was almost a 10 count. He was stumbling. They were four, three, two. 
one, and ding, 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 saved by the bell. He goes to his corner. The whole world is like, oh, that's it. Once he comes back out, that's it. Mike's going to just hammer him. And exactly that, Mike Tyson came out like, I got him. I got this kid up against the rope. Listen to me, many of you right now, life's got you up against the rope. You can't give up. You can't give in. Listen to me, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And if life's got you backed up, I need you to do what Buster Douglas did. Buster Douglas started fighting back. The world was shocked. <gasps> Goliath has been knocked down. What happened? And they went to Buster Douglas and they asked Buster Douglas simply like, what happened? And Buster Douglas said, listen to me, it's real simple. Before my mother died, she told the whole world that I was going to beat Mike Tyson. And two days before the fight, my mother died. Buster Douglas had, he had a decision to make. When his mother died, he could die with his mother. Or he made a decision, I can wake up and I can live for mom. And he knocked Mike Tyson out simply because his why was greater than that punch. His why was greater than defeat. His why was greater than his trial and his tribulation. And I'm telling you, if you don't know what your why is, and your why isn't strong, you're going to get knocked out every single day. Amen. <laughs> um, that's always inspiring to see. <laughs> but really, the idea that when you persevere through a hard time, you inspire others. Yeah. Your faith, because of what you're going through, inspires those around you because you don't give up. Yeah. If you give up on God, then everyone around you gives up on God. Then you influence them and they don't see Christ in you. Don't give up when it gets tough. Point number three, you got to dream God's size. Dream God's size. You know, David and Goliath, it wasn't just about the two of them fighting, but it was about the whole nation. When Moses was escaping from Egypt, they could have just snuck out in the middle of the night. But God did things that have never been done before so that the whole world would see his power, and be blown away by him. You know, Jesus didn't want to change just Israel, but he wanted to change the whole world through these men. For me, honestly, this is probably the most challenging part of this whole sermon, is to dream bigger for God. I'm the type of person that is very practical and can be small-minded. If you give me a simple task, I can figure out the best way to do it and, and get it done. But God wants us to think on such a bigger level as well. He doesn't want to just change one life. He wants to change a whole family. He doesn't want to change a whole family. He wants to change a whole city, a whole valley, a whole world. He doesn't get overwhelmed by the problems of this world. He doesn't say, oh, that could never change. He doesn't say, well, maybe we could change just a couple people. Maybe just a few people can get, get, get help they need. No, when Jesus was around, the whole village got healed. Yeah. Everyone ate. No one was left out. Because he dreamed the way that God dreamed. I don't think God looks at the world and says, well, I don't think the whole world can be saved. Are you kidding can you ever hear God saying that? Well, it's just, it's not possible. I don't think it's, it can happen. No, that's us. That's not God. Yeah. I don't think everyone could hear about Jesus. I don't think everyone can connect. I think, 
I think it's too hard for some people because of their background and because of this and because they've been through so much and they have so many different obstacles. That was never Jesus. He healed everyone. He gave everyone a path to God. He laid out the truth for everyone to decide. And yet I can, I can see how so many times I'm happy with just a little victory here. Just a little trickle over there. Just, just a little good news. Just cheer me up. Rather than change the world. God doesn't have us here just to cheer ourselves up. He has us here to make a difference in changing the world. What did Jesus say to Nathaniel? You think that's cool that I saw your dream? You're going to see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Basically, I am going to blow your mind. You can't even imagine what I have in store for you. Imagine in Egypt for hundreds and hundreds of years... And then in one month, God changed everything. For 400 years, they're in slavery. And then one month later, they're the richest nation in the world. And everyone is bowing down before them. Why can't that happen today? Why can't that happen in our lifetime? Why can't that happen to you or to me? You know, sometimes we, Jesus saw a mustard seed and he said, I can move a mountain with that. Or that's the largest plant in the entire garden. He said that if one seed can produce 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. That means you, say you, you feel like, man, I am the weakest, spiritually weakest person in the entire room. That means that your life would make 30 people go to heaven. The weakest person in the room will help 30 people go to heaven or 60 or 100. Or maybe God would use the weakest person in the room to help influence the most people just because that's the way God does things. Just so he could say it doesn't matter who's weak or strong as long as you have faith in me. God is helping us to want to, he wants us to look greater. It doesn't matter what happened last year. It doesn't matter what happened with the last person you studied with. It doesn't matter with the last church you were with. It doesn't matter where the kingdom is as a whole. God can do anything in an instant. And maybe he's testing us to see when that's going to happen. That could happen today. That could happen this year. Like I mentioned before, your family could be changed with one miracle. You could have the, the best year ever with one miracle in your life. Our whole church can have that. Why can't all the schools in the valley be influenced by Christ? We have enough teachers. <laughs> you know, what is your vision? What is your dream for this valley? Is it just to kind of eke out our church? Or is it to see it transformed? We have so many retirees in this area. We could have thousands of retirees. We can reach thousands. What about all the issues that we're, we're talking about getting into here in the beginning of the year? Homelessness, hunger, poverty, drugs, abuse, marriages. God looks at that and he says, I am the solution for all those things. 
I can create miracles in all these people's lives. I can change relationships. I can change kids. I can help people to believe in, in and help us to be a faith-believing society again. One person at a time. Why can't he do it? He can help everyone in the valley to get a chance to decide about him. To get to understand the truth. To be able to really have a chance to go after God's dream. Shame on us for not thinking that way. For letting our past defeats determine our future dreams. Because we've seen people walk away or we've had hard times or whatever we've seen. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the cynical Christian. I don't even know if that's, I think that's not even the same thing. I'm not sure you can't be cynical and be a true Christian. I sure hope that's not on my tombstone. I want to be a faith-filled, God-sized dreamer for him, even though my brain doesn't necessarily go that way. You know, there's some people, and they just naturally just think big. And, you know, I think of Steve Lounsbury. I mean, he's always like, yeah, why can't we do this? And why can't we do that? And why can't we do this? And, and to my shame, a lot of times I'm like, well, let me give you all the reasons why we can't do this and why we can't do that and how that's a bad idea. And... In the name of being so wise and practical, have we left God out? That we have to have it all figured out and all whatever. And we let, I can do that so many times. I don't want to have that happen at the end of 2019. To say, man, what could God do if we were a church of dreamers? You don't inspire people if you're not inspired. You can't inspire someone else to dream if you don't have dreams. If you're not somebody who has hope and faith that, any, that God can do anything, then it's really hard to give that to someone else. So as your minister and as your brother and as your friend, please don't start the year without God's dream for your life. Don't start the year without a faith that God can do anything and he wants to do more than we can ask or imagine. That he just doesn't want to eke out a few victories in 2019, but he wants to blow our minds for him. As we take our communion together, you can read Matthew 16 and Matthew 28. Basically, Jesus saying that I'm going to use this church to break down the gates of Hades. He's like, I'm not just going to have a great church, but this church is going to overcome evil. That we're, We're going to have a church. We're going to reach all nations. We're going to reach the whole world. The guys had no idea what he was really talking about. But that was Jesus dreaming a God sized dream. As we take our communion together. Let's reflect on our year and let's look, look ahead and let's believe that God wants to use you, that he created you to do good works, that you are his workmanship, and that when he made you, he said, man, I did a good job. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. In 1 Corinthians 11, he says, 
The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time to renew our faith and renew our dream in you. God, thank you that you believe in us even when we, not, we may not believe in ourselves. Thank you that you forgive us of our sins and, and everything that may get in the way of us living for you. God, thank you for your amazing grace. God, I pray that you can use us as your instruments in this year. As we remember your son dying for us, that we can remember the the love and the sacrifice of his body and his blood, and also the miracle that was to come later of him raising from the dead. God, I pray that that can motivate us to be with you in heaven someday. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.